Good morning. Our scripture reading today is a fun one. We have Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. If you're following along in your pew Bible, that's on page 826. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. For each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. The Lord God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from the nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. God bless the hearing of his word.
Good morning. Don't you love it when you plan something and nothing goes the right way? <laughs> the one Sunday I really need Ben, and he's not here. Yep, let's do it, Sandy. Um, <laughs> so I do need a couple of volunteers. I would like to know. Oh, good. No, great, great, great. Thank you, thank you. Um, I'd like to know who has the smallest feet here in the church. The smallest feet? Probably. <laughs> um, thank you. Uh, well, I don't know. Those feet aren't that small. Um, <laughs> well, you see, I brought a pot. Yes, you need to stand in the pot. So you might want to take your shoes off. No, I'm not. I'm going to make stew. <laughs> no. Um, but actually, sometimes when we, they fit, yay! Sometimes when you're in a stew, you're having problems, right? You're in the pot, right? And you don't know what to do. You're in a stew. Now, you've heard the saying, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You've heard that, right? So I'd like you to pick yourself up using the pot. you can do it. I know you can do it. You're strong. I know you can do it. Hmm. My encouraging isn't working. Okay. Um, do we have someone here who's really strong? <laughs> someone who's really strong. Okay. Okay. So, yes. Hold on tight. Whoa, look at that. Yay. Thank you, volunteers. You're awesome. Um, you can get out of the pot now. <laughs> well, that was the, the plan. He was going to try, and then I was going to probably be able to pick him up. But I don't, uh, no offense, but Ben only weighs about 35 pounds. <laughs> I can handle that. I think you're probably maybe 50. That's a little harder. Um, sometimes... We're stuck in a pot of stew. We don't know what to do. We're, we're just in a bad place. We're, we're messed up. We're not connected with God the way we want to be. And we try, and we try to pull ourselves up. People might be there supporting you, making sure that you're safe. They might even say encouraging things. But sometimes we need more than that. Sometimes we need someone to actually take us out, to lift us up of that problem. And I think that's what our scripture passage was kind of talking about. And I'm not sure my thing's on. Huh? Well, they did. They didn't help her out. That was the problem. But that's okay. Am, am I on because, okay, because I'm red. Um, I was also, this week, I had to go to the gym at school to talk to a teacher. And they were in the weight room. And I was watching the kids in there. There were some doing bench press, you know, where you lay down and you have to lift up the weights. And there was always a second person at the head, spotter, watching what was happening. Sometimes they just were standing there. Sometimes they would say, come on, you can do another five pounds, you can do another two reps. Um, and then by the end, when the person was like, oh, oh, they reached down and grabbed it and put it back. And then the cool thing was, 
they switched places. And the spotter became the lifter. And sometimes I think that's where we get lost. Sometimes we're the one in the pot, and we don't know how to get out, and other people help us. But a lot of times, we're the one trying to help the other person. We're never stuck in the pot, right? Hmm? Yeah. But sometimes we need to have help. Sometimes we're the helpers, and sometimes we need to have help. And I think that's what this scripture is all about, is being a helper, but also being willing to have others help you. And that's a tough lesson for everyone. Um, I'm really bad at that. I'm a helper. Uh, I don't necessarily like to get But sometimes we need help, and we need to understand that that's God's plan. That's true. He does make it hot if you don't let go. So, bear each other's burdens. That's kind of where we're going with this. So, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you don't leave us in the pot to stew. You have put lots of people around us that are willing to be there to keep us safe, to encourage us, and to also help us out of our situation, whether it's emotional, financial, physical, whatever the need is. You have put people in our lives, or will put them in our lives, to help us. Help us be available to be those people, but also help us to be gracious enough to accept help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord, thank you again for your, this day and for this congregation and for your word. We ask that you will open our ears and our hearts and my mouth to receive what you have for, for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the season of Lent, and um, we're Baptists, and so we typically Baptists don't really observe the liturgical year very much, but I like that this church, ever since I've been here anyway, um, we don't have an Ash Wednesday service, but we do talk about Lent, we're aware of Lent, and we usually have a focus for Lent that's a little different than um, sometimes. And so this Lent, we are going to be doing a study of the traditional virtues. Have you heard of the seven deadly sins or the vices? Okay, did you know that there are seven virtues that contrast with them? Okay, so this might sound like a Catholic thing. It actually predates the Catholic-Protestant split. Um, the reason that we're talking about these things is because they are actually biblical concepts um, that they're, they're characteristics that a person who's following Jesus should be developing in their lives. Um, and we could have talked about the fruit of the Spirit, but we've done that a couple years ago. And so I thought we'd, we'd kind of take a different slant this year. Um, have you guys ever eaten hardtack, that bread stuff? Yeah, so this sermon series is going to kind of be like hardtack. <laughs> Sustaining, filling, maybe tastes a little bit like cardboard. But <laughs> hopefully it will prepare us to enjoy the Feast of Resurrection at the end. Um, and actually, the virtues go along really well with what we have just been talking about in the last four weeks. We've been talking about glory and the glory of God and the love of God, which it turns out are the same thing. And um, we talked about 
loving God and God loving us, and then how that should overflow so that we're loving each other. We also need to be able to love ourselves because God loves us. And um, the way that all of that plays out and that God is glorified is if we are becoming people who not only do good things, but are good inside. God is developing his character in our characters. And so um, it's good to focus on these kind of things, but I'm going to give you a little bit of historical trivia of where this list of virtues came from. This is stuff that happened in church history, not directly in the Bible, but among the people of God. So they're actually two sets of seven virtues each. Of course. Of course, right. <laughs> and the first set of seven is called the heavenly virtues, and they are, basic, they are faith, hope, and love, which are Christ, Christian virtues in the Bible, and then they tacked on four other virtues that the Greek philosophers thought were important, and th those are prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude, or courage. Um, those are all good things, but they, they basically decided these seven by taking the three Christian values of faith, hope, and love, and then combining it with these Greek philosophical ideas and then Christianizing them. Later, a guy named Evagrius, poor guy, um, developed a list of seven deadly vices, and so then a new list was developed of virtues that contrast with the vices, the sins. Um, and these are called the capital virtues, and these are the ones we're going to be looking at, um, because they take biblical concepts from a slightly different slant than we usually talk about them. Um, and they are diligence, temperance, chastity, patience, generosity, humility, and charity. And we're going to talk a little bit about the vices that are opposed to these virtues, but our focus will be on the virtues themselves. We want to, to look at the, the behavior and the characteristics that we want more than the sins that we don't want. Um, but sometimes we need to talk a little bit about the sins so we know what we're contrasting the good stuff with. So, last week, we talked about how when we rely on the love God has for us, we don't have to worry about ourselves. We don't have to worry about, it. Am, I, am I socially awkward? Yep. I already know that. Don't have to worry about it. Um, we don't have to worry about making ourselves better th more than we are, because we can be free to let God change us to become like Jesus, and to let God help us to love ourselves so that we can love other people better. We don't have to do anything to be saved or loved by God. Thank the Lord. Amen. But when we are saved and acknowledging and living in the love of God, we do need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit's work in our lives so that we are glorifying God, so that we are reflecting the love of God to the world. And so in order to follow Jesus and be transformed, we have to do something active beyond just saying yes and believing in our heads. This is more than just a mental exercise. The Christian walk is a walk. It's more than just thinking. So, um, 
developing virtues in our lives is a little bit like, but not identical to, developing a habit, a good habit. If you want to develop a good habit, you need to practice it. And if you, they say, I don't know about this, it's probably true, I haven't really sat down to pay attention in my own life about this, but supposedly, if there is a habit that you are trying to gain, if you practice it faithfully for 21 days, it will become a habit. You'll just do it. Um, I don't know. But you definitely need to practice. If we are going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, we need to have some kind of self-discipline. But developing virtues in our lives is also not like developing a habit because we do need to engage the habit and the lifestyle that we're trying to develop, and we do need to be self-disciplined, but like Darcy was singing, we can't do it all by ourselves. Fortunately, we don't have to because we have the Holy Spirit to help. This is great news. <laughs> some of these virtues are going to be, some of them you're going to be like, that's easy, I already do that. And some of them you're going to be like, um, no. <laughs> I, could never, I could never be like that. I could never do that. Fortunately, we have the Holy Spirit to help us do it. We do not have to drum this up by ourselves. Some of the capital virtues that, we'll look like, that we will look at match the fruit of the Spirit, like patience. Some of them lead to the fruit of the Spirit as we practice them by the Spirit. The practice of godly character, the practice of godly character leading to actually having a godly character is called spiritual formation. It's, it's also kind of a discipleship Discipleship and spiritual formation are sort of the same thing, but in our in day-to-day -day practice these days, in present day, discipleship often looks like learning lots of information, and we need to learn the information so we know who it is we're trying to become like. Um, but spiritual formation is when all the stuff that you learned in your head starts to filter down into your heart and out into your life. And so Lent is a really, really great time to start practicing some spiritual formation um, concepts and practices together. So today's is diligence. You'll notice that some of these virtue names are not words that we use very often anymore nowadays. Diligence is kind of one of those, but we don't actually have an English word that is exactly the same as it. So uh, what, how would you explain what diligence is? Persistence, hard work, attention to detail, consistency, what's that? Alertness, okay, yeah. Um, Merriam-Webster says a steady, earnest, energetic effort, devoted and painstaking work and application to accomplish an undertaking. So yeah, you guys pretty much nailed it. Um, diligence is a great virtue, virtue to start with because if we're talking about developing godly characteristics, besides the Holy Spirit, the best way we're going to get them is through diligence. Right? So, 
Um, let's talk about some ways that we might see diligence play out, um, that we might, times that we might need it. Um, it can be church-related or not. What are some examples of diligence? Yeah, Ron at prayer on the spot. Okay, committing every Sunday to come to church. Going to work every day. Going to work every day. Or doing something over and over again, even though it doesn't seem to work. All right, some people call that the definition of crazy, <laughs> but. <laughs> Sometimes that is, sometimes, or at least persistence. Um, yeah, so we need diligence for a lot of things. Diligence is when you, I, I think a lot of times um, diligence, like Barb demonstrates diligence to us every week by preparing a children's sermon and pr usually preparing, well, I'm sure she was prepared for today for Sunday school. Um, it's nice to have you up here, Barb. <laughs> But, and I try to be diligent as I prepare my sermons. I try to be diligent. I try to be diligent to stay in the Word for myself, to study the Bible for myself, not just so I can write a sermon, but then also to be diligent with the study that I do to prepare the sermons. Um, so there are lots of different ways that this virtue can play out. Um, sometimes, though, there is a downside or maybe two downsides to diligence. You guys remember that time a couple years ago when I had an image up here of that cliff, that really narrow ridge with a cliff that just drops down on both sides? Diligence is a little bit like that. It's a fine line. Um, it, diligence is a virtue, but there are two dangers. The first danger, which is not one of the seven vices, but it's a danger, nonetheless, for this particular virtue. And it is, here's another old word. I love teaching you guys college words because I just, you guys are, <laughs> you guys are worth the college words. Um, scrupulosity. <laughs> scrupulosity is definitely a word we don't use very often anymore. Um, but it's a really useful one. It has kind of two components. One of them is compulsion. It's kind of like non-clinical non OCD, where you never feel like you've done enough, or you, maybe you don't even feel like you are enough. And so you just compulsively have to keep trying to do better and be better, and you can't ever relax, and you can't, you, you, usually most people that have this feel terrible about themselves, and then the other piece of scrupulosity is legalism, where you don't just feel bad, you don't just have the compulsion about your own self not doing things well enough or doing enough things or being good enough, but you also don't think anybody else is doing enough or being enough or doing it right. And scrupulosity is, it's not one of the vices, but it is actually at base, it is sinful. It is really hard to get out of once you get sucked into that. And um, I think about this particular danger to diligence when I read Galatians 6, verse 1. 
Paul says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. How could that possibly go wrong? <laughs> okay, if you don't do it tactfully, or if you struggle with scrupulosity. So I think one area in which diligence is necessary in the Christian walk is in caring for each other, caring for each other's emotions and spirits. And Paul is saying, if you know that somebody is living a sinful lifestyle, you need to gently try to restore that person to a place where they're not. But even Paul realized that this could turn into scrupulosity, where you are just in everybody's business telling them what, that they're doing stuff wrong. Because immediately after he says that, he says, but watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. He doesn't, but he could have quoted Jesus in this spot where Jesus says, if you're going to... Actually, Jesus doesn't say, if you're going to take the speck out of someone's eye. Jesus says, why are you trying to take the speck out of somebody's, somebody's eye? Well, you have a giant log in your own eye. As human beings, it is really hard to strike this balance. Because if we are in some way responsible for each other in the body of Christ, it matters if we see another person sinning who is in our family. It affects our family. But <laughs> we also sin, right? And the danger, the, the need for diligence is we need to be able to take seriously our own lives and make sure that we are living rightly according to God as far as we're aware, but we also need to be aware of what's going on in our family in Christ. But we also might be tempted. When we correct someone's sin, we might be tempted to sin, but we also might actually be sometimes projecting our own sin on somebody else or just using their other sin as a way to distract from the fact that we are sinful. It, we have to be super, 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 super careful if we're going to do what Galatians 6 verse 1 says. This is something that requires diligence of connecting with God to do. So, the danger to watch for if we are actively cultivating the virtue of diligence is scrupulosity. Scrupulosity basically is when we focus on diligence for its own sake and it keeps us from loving appropriately. It's pretty easy to justify. I used to actually do this a lot. I don't do it as much anymore. I'm very cautious about telling other people about their sins. But um, I used to think or tell myself, I am loving this person by pointing out what they're doing wrong. But really, really it wasn't love. I was just focused on being diligent um, or being right. So that's the first risk or 
sheer cliff that you could drop off of if you're trying to be diligent, but the other one is the vice, and it is known in different ways. Some people call it laziness, that's a nice um, present day term. There's another one that you've probably heard of, sloth, and then there's an even older term called acedia. All of these are the same vice, and it is also known as a deadly sin. Why do you think sloth or laziness or acedia is deadly? Okay, nothing gets done. You get trapped in your head. That's a good one. Okay, it's easier for the evil to take over. Yeah, I think those are all reasons. Here's the thing. Vices are not just bad actions, or in this case, lack of action. They're actually spiritual conditions. They damage our souls. So sloth or laziness or acedia is a lack of caring, a lack of motivation, a lack of purpose. It actually sounds a lot like depression. Um, I'm not going to say that depression is a vice. I struggle with it myself. I am fortunate in that there is a medication that works for me that is not always the case for people. But, they, but they're close. Um, the kingdom of heaven is about rest. But the, the rest in the kingdom of heaven is purposeful. It is intentional. It's actually something that we can be diligent about. Sometimes we get really busy and and, and so we don't actually take the time to rest. Rest is a command in the Bible. We are commanded to rest, and um, I have a hard time doing that sometimes, but that's why on Mondays I don't answer my phone most of the time, or my texts, because I have to shut off my brain and my <laughs> I have to rest. I have to be diligent about it. And if I don't do that, I don't function very well during the rest of the week. So it's not that rest is bad, Sloth is not the same thing as rest. It is, the rest in the kingdom of God is a finding joy kind of rest. A, a, a resting in God in joy so that you can do something. Um, it's active, it's alert. Sloth is not rest, it is a type of deadness while you're alive. Where you just do not care at all about anything. And I believe that Galatians 6, 1 through 10 does show us a type of diligence that is our purpose as the children of God that, that is connected to how we relate to each other. So it's not just about working hard or doing, doing lots of things or serving, but it is about how we relate to each other and it's a way of expressing God's love. It's just we have to be diligent in our diligence so that we don't fall off on either side of the cliff to, into either scrupulosity or sloth. Diligence in Galatians 6, 1 through 10 is how we care for each other on an emotional and spiritual level. It requires being diligent in fostering relationships first. If you are not in relationship with someone, real relationship, you're not getting to know the person, you're not finding out what they're like and what they, and, and learning to care about them, 
warts and all, it's very unlikely that you will be able to appropriately tell somebody who is caught in a sin to stop sinning. You can tell them, but it won't be effective because you're not in relationship with that person. They don't know if you care about them, right? If, if someone tells me I, I'm doing something wrong, I am much better able to hear it if it's somebody that I already know cares about me, right? So, diligent, we need to be diligent in cultivating our relationships with each other. And Paul also emphasizes that we, if we are going to correct someone, we need to be gentle about it and self-reflective about it. Watch yourself, he says. Diligence is also differentiating appropriately between yourself and your spiritual family members. So we can develop relationships, and then we can get to a point where we're so close that we kind of lose who am I in relation to this other person. Differentiating is being able to belong to another person or to a group of people without your whole personality getting caught up into what other people are doing. And this is how Paul can say verse 2 and verses 3 through 5 in the same paragraph, because if you read this, it sounds like he's contradicting himself almost immediately. In verse 2 he says, carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. So carry each other's burdens. This is a Christian thing to do. He's saying it's the law of Christ. This is how we fulfill it. And then in verses 3 to 5 he says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Everyone should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Is he saying the total opposite thing? No. Why not? You should carry your own load where you can, and if you need help, you should feel free to ask. Okay. But what about if you see somebody carrying a load and they didn't ask? Ask them if they want help. Okay. Spirit-assisted diligence helps us to discern what is ours to carry and what is not. Sometimes asking works. Sometimes it doesn't. But sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> we talked about this a little bit at the retreat yesterday when we were talking about providing hospitality for people. Most of us in here probably would not say, hey, I need somebody to make meals for me next week because I have this situation going on. Um, and sometimes, even if we asked you if you needed help, you might say, no, no, I'm good. We're Yankees. We do this. <laughs> we're fine. We'll just put ourselves in a bucket and pick it up <laughs> by ourselves. Um, but sometimes it is not appropriate to carry somebody else's stuff. That person needs to figure out their own stuff, and you need to figure out your own stuff. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, assisting us to be diligent in how we care to, for each other is the one who helps us know when it's time to carry somebody else's burden and when it's time to hands off and just worry about your own burden. This is kind of what, in today's terms, we would call good boundaries. Did you know the Holy Spirit helps with good boundaries? 
Both scrupulosity and sloth are bad boundaries. Scrupulosity has us making comparisons between ourselves and others and carrying stuff for people that is not our responsibility. And sloth has us taking our own problems and making them everybody else's. I'm too lazy and too not caring to do anything about my own issues, so you guys are going to all have to deal with it. Both of those things keep us from diligently caring for each other. Diligence is being answerable and being a blessing to your spiritual mentors. Verse 6, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. So as we are being diligent in pursuing God and diligent in um, caring for each other and getting to know each other and learning the difference between ourselves and each other, we can share how God is forming our spirits with those who teach us spiritually, with those who minister to us. We can share with them what we are learning. And that actually ministers to the ones who are ministering to us. It is so encouraging, those of you who teach anything, <laughs> um, know that when somebody you're teaching or have taught in the past comes to you and they, they're like, oh, I remember when you said this, and then this happened to me, and I got it. That is like one of the best feelings ever, right? Yeah. So this is a way to be diligent as we are being diligent in letting the Holy Spirit form us and we share it with those who have ministered into our lives, that actually ministers to that person. Diligence is understanding that what you put in is what you get out. I think that we do, if we are diligent people, we do understand this. If I'm going to be diligent, I will get out what I put in. And so Paul says in verses 7 and 8, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So understanding that, diligence will do whatever it takes to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to do the right thing in every circumstance. In verses 9 and 10, Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is actually in line with what Barbara said, even though I made a joke. Um, <laughs> to not become weary in doing good is the best example of diligence, Christian diligence, that we have. Even when we don't see the re reward for a long time, persisting in doing good, making sure that we stay connected to our God and to God's people, continuing to grow in love, and watching what God does slowly, subtly, and over time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up.
So I'd like us to take us about 30 seconds or so in silence and um, have us each ponder silently what is one area in our lives where we can be diligent to follow God's spirit during this season of life. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you show us what diligence is. You became one of us. You were willing to sacrifice your um, status to become one of us, but yet you never were unfaithful to God our Father. You never um, lost yourself in us in order to fix our problems. You gave yourself for us, knowing exactly who you were. We pray that we will follow your model of diligence, um, good, loving, self-sacrificing diligence. We ask that you will show us more and more what that looks like um, as we go forward into this season. In your name, amen.